And rounding out the po- podcast posse is the poncho to my lefty, the tineal to my captain, Jasmine Chojanago. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> Each week, we tapple, tackle a topic through research, which we'll then have a rant about. Uh, this week, week's topic is, are humans animals? Um, is there anything that differentiates us from animals? This is a subject that Jazz and I have had a fair amount of conversations about. We have never come to any sort of real agreement on... We, we agreed to disagree, and uh, probably the, the first half of this conversation will play nice, and then we'll probably get a bit um, nasty and dirty uh, toward the end of it. So what's, what's your point of view on the topic? Just let's start off with what... Well, uh, my point of view is that we are animals. There is really no differentiation between uh, us as a species from the rest of the animal kingdom. But I think you could approach this question in a few different ways. Um, Because I think you could look at it depending on what your point of view is uh, about animals and or about humans. Um, First of all, uh, you could look at it that we as humans have higher brain function, we have morals, we have reason, we have free will, um, which separate us and presumably elevate us above the status of an animal. Or you could think that animals are similar to us in some of those capacities which make us uh, equivalent, more or less, um, or not, depending on how you approach that uh, view as well. I think that we'll look at that in terms of um, philosophy probably in the latter half of the podcast. Mm. So what what does the science say about it? Well, I'll give you my scientific standpoint. Okay. Um, and I was, I guess the question to me that this boils down to is, are we transcendent of the entire biological system of classification? So are we a different species altogether? Not even a different species. So, if you break down the, uh, the tree of life, if you will, so you start at the top, all life. You would agree that we're life, correct? Yes. Okay. Then you move down to kingdoms. You move down to kingdoms, which include plants, animals, and um, quote-unquote microorganisms. So, like bacteria. Um, protista, I think, is one of the terms that I've seen for it. So, we belong to one of those, Correct. If we are in the kingdom of life, we... But we, who says that there's not another category, there's not another kingdom? There could be. Yes. Okay. But I'm saying, but, but so, so that would be the contention. That, yes. That there are plants, animals, uh, uh, micro, uh, microorganisms, and then humans. Yeah. So in the scientific view, humans fall within... Um, the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom, obviously, yeah. uh, because if you if you go to the other end, you look at from species point of view. So if you go life, kingdom, phylum, class, order, 
family, genus, and then species. That's generally it. There are other sort of um, super and subs that you could throw in there, but those are, that's it in a nutshell. So if you look at it from the other end, from the species point of view, the tree of life is based on genetic similarity and breaking down and categorizing things in terms of um, those groups and subgroups, order, genus, etc. Um, we are most similar to um, monkeys. monkeys, in particular um, gorillas, chimpanzees, and orangutans. No, sorry, chimps, orangutans, and gorillas. If you move outside of that, then you have other monkeys, yeah. um, etc. And then you, you move further along mammals, uh, vertebrates, etc. until you get back up to... Um, so in that sense, if you look at it from a biological standpoint, if you, if you look at it simply from DNA, similarity of DNA, uh, we don't fit outside of those three kingdoms. The first three kingdoms. Yeah. We fit in within, you know, primates, basically. Yeah. We're a primate. And... I actually agree with that. I do agree with that. I think the where we begin to differ on our opinions on this topic come later. I do agree with the scientific explanation about uh, which kingdom we fit into. Um, and I think that... You know, science is sort of, I think that, you know, there's a good analogy made by Richard Dawkins, even though I'm not a huge fan of his stuff, but I think that he, he has made, makes a good point when he talks about um, different species being marked out by different qualities. So, you know, yeah, we've got big brains, we do. Dogs can smell, rhinoceroses can smell, bats can hear, you know, moles and wombats can dig. We're not really good at many of those things unless we have mechanical equipment to do it. Mm. We, we can't do that ourselves, but we have the capacity to think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's actually kind of an important point to make that you just evolve more in certain aspects of your capabilities. Right. Yeah. You could look at it too like this, that, well... There was an article, there was a, there's a, he's a philosopher and law professor um, in New York, uh, Thomas Nagel. He's not a scientist, so um, we can talk about him later on down the road, but his contention is, is that um, we really don't know what, experience and awareness is subjective, whether you're a human being or whether you're, well, his example is a bat. And I think in the same vein as, Richard Dawkins, um, the bat would be a good example because they have a, quite a different sense, you know, quite a different perception. They use echolocation and I think sonar or whatever to navigate, to find food, to make its way around at night because it doesn't really see very well. Um, and that it's, uh, it's, it's experience is subjective, basically, similar to our experience. Like, we have no way of knowing what it's like to be a bat. We have no way of knowing whether it is, what exactly its mental functions are, whether it's, mm -hmm. I mean, we can probably assume that there are a lot of species out there yeah. within the animal kingdom that, yes, we certainly have a lot higher 
functioning, brain functioning, perception, yada yada. Um, this this idea kind of boils a little bit on philosophy as well, really. Yeah. Like, how do we know what the cognitive capacity of a bat is if we're not in the bat? Right. So that was his whole point. Was yeah. We don't know. There's we no way the to bat. know. There's we could we could hang upside down in trees yeah. until you know our brains and our heads pop, but yeah. we still won't know exactly what it's like to be a bat. Yeah. Um, we we have the ability to manufacture flight um, in mechanical ways still doesn't mean that we know what, what it's like to be a bat mm. um, so. yeah but there is a lot that we can um, assume from observing behaviour which correct know. yeah um, and knowing physiology as well because yeah. certainly we know that certain you know like the hydra it can't see it doesn't have any ocular um, it doesn't have like ocular nerves it doesn't have any way it can sense light mm. but just can't see in the same way that we do so we know that its perception is markedly different to ours so yeah so in answering that question is there a difference or are humans animals the scientific answer to that would be yes we are animals no there's no real difference between us and the other animal i think largely yeah yeah okay um, there are still some scientists that think that there is a, a difference. Um, were these the same scientists that were hired by our Reynolds and all tobacco companies to naysay <laughs> cancer? No. Oh, radio. Um, but it's basically they, you know, their conclusion is that there's no scientific reason. Um, so what does that kind of lead us to? If there's no, you know, anatomical or physiological explanation for we've dominated largely the population of the planet. Or not the population, but we've largely dominated the planet. You know, how did we get to that point? What what what's unique about us that causes that to happen and I think that kind of leads us into a little bit of um, you know the what's missing so you know we've talked about anatomy and physiology what what's missing out of that that we sort of identify with as fundamental for human beings and that sort of idea is what we think of as spirituality and that would be heading into the religious opinions, religious well, per perspectives? There, there are religious perspectives, but I think that it's just important to also think of this as a spiritual component to our existence. You know, aside from our, you know, our cognitive capacity or any of, any of that stuff, like what else comes into that cognition? Well, actually, I think of it, I think that if you wanted to take that point of view, it's, it's probably the best way to do it because um, in the same vein that the hydra cannot perceive, cannot actually see. Um, certainly there are phenomena that happen to it outside of its realm of perception. Mm. If you make that anal analogous to our existence, like simply because science doesn't have, science hasn't identified it and hasn't just put a name to it, hasn't theorized it, Mm -hmm. At least in a concrete way, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I it doesn't mean that it's like the whole notion of a soul. Like uh, that's what I was just about to say. I think this is one of the fundamental things we disagree on. You don't believe in a soul. No, 
you well no you're correct i don't believe in the soul but i don't not believe in the soul yeah, either but i'm I agnostic believe about it in the soul <laughs> i strongly believe in the soul and um, i think this is where i think this is the crux the differentiation in our opinions all right well i got something animals. for you down the road if we get to that all right let's, let's do it um so you know there's a mind body problem Mind and body, they don't agree. Wait, what? Because the body is the anatomical and physiological, what we know about that, which doesn't explain the things that happen in the human brain. So there's a mind-body disagreement. There's a problem there. Is there? And that's, well, well, that's the gap that they, that's the gap that is filled by spirituality. Just the misunderstood part of it. Yes. Because there are physiological explanations for certain things. Yes, there are. Thinking, you mean like emotions and things like thinking that? Thinking and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but sometimes not so much like moral behavior and things like that, which is interesting. But well, but, but you're separating our thoughts and our feelings from moral behavior. No. In that case. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes, because sometimes it's really difficult to know what the moral thing to do is, even though you feel one way, you might, acting another way might be what's right. But that, again, doesn't, they're not necessarily exclusive. No, but they can be contradictory. Because you have contradictory, doesn't mean that they're, they come from, one comes from on high, handed down by a higher power. But an executive function still controls that. It's another, it's a higher function that you are using to control the action that you decide to take. Which is all part of cognition, which could be explained physiologically. We may not have the sophistication currently to do so. Yeah, well, find me some evidence on that. No, I'm just saying that, that, that I mean, that's the crux of it. Like... We, we do things sometimes that seem inexplicable, that we ourselves cannot find reasons for, either emotional, reasonable, reasonable, pleasurable, physically external, you know, something that we can identify in our environment, um, or pleasure, the, the principle of pleasure. Um, but that doesn't mean that... <laughs> That they I, can't be explained. That's fine. Well, and furthermore, that um, I think we would have all the answers for it. You think what? That we would have all the answers for it. Mm. Okay. Anyway, that's kind of tangential. Let's talk about religious explanations. Sure. Do you want to go? Well, I... Seeing as there's a lot of religions out there... Uh, found a website, the uh, Pew Research Center. I think um, National Public Radio uses them, their polls, um, uses them for uh, research uh, into some of the stories that they run. They ask various religious groups their views on evolution, which I'm extrapolating to, to... this conversation I think it is relevant and it's the closest that I might get 
um, to this just because you know evolution if we assume that we're either human or not human then evolution will either be or it will not you know be based on that we yes. either evolved from the species or we, or and, we were just and created or we were just yeah. created um, so for example Catholicism probably one of the bigger ones uh, generally accepts evolutionary theory as the scientific explanation for the development of all life um, they sort of feel that natural selection is a you know the, the hand of God is pushing natural selection like it exists it, it, so God's controlling but, evolution but right it's a, it's, a, yeah. it's a manipulated thing it's not some um, it's not something left to chance or chaos the Episcopal Church uh, in 19, 1982 passed a resolution to affirm its beliefs in the glorious ability of God to create in any manner again sort of the um, creationism but not sticking to that no he, he created or God created the earth at 7000 BC and we've just moved on since then um, evangelical is uh, pretty much God created in the universe yeah. at that 7000 point uh, um, Islam says that the Quran teaches that all are created human beings as they appear today. There's division on um, the theory of evolution. Uh, theologically conservative Muslims who ascribe to literal interpretations of the Quran generally denounce evolutionary argument um, for natural selection. Uh, many liberal Muslims believe that while man is divinely created, evolution is not necessarily incompatible with those um, with those views. Uh, Judaism. I don't know about that. It is kind of exclusive. It's either one or the other. Well, maybe it's in the same vein as um, sort of the um, the the invisible hand of God pushing. You know, it, it's moving the DNA and the, <laughs> the genes isn't around. Creationism. We were created in the image of God. This is our, like we're created like this. We didn't evolve from anything. Well, but maybe. maybe I think that that is maybe looking at it in sort of the God created earth and or God created the world or the universe in six days notion. Whereas if you look at it like God, created God wanted humans, the world over four but it's had years. to, but it had How to, many millions of years. yeah, exactly. It okay. had to, so uh, I don't know. I'll profess ignorance on that one. Mm. Um, probably something to think about and chase up uh, at a later date. Um, Judaism. Uh, God is the creator of the universe and all life. There's no inherent conflict between uh, evolution and Judaism. Presbyterians uh, in 1969 um, amended its previous position on evolution, which was originally drafted in the 19th century, um, to affirm that evolution and the Bible do not con contradict each other. The church has nevertheless stated that it should carefully refrain from either affirming or denying the theory of evolution. Uh, Baptist is uh, uh, rejects the theory of evolution for creation. Okay, so in any case, what do they think about? Do they what 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 conclusion are you coming to? Well, um, I think that it's because that's more of an evolution creationism argument. 
but it is right again but I'm trying to extrapolate from that argument to the notion of do we belong in where do we, where do we belong in that tree yeah in the tree of life so by and large do you think that religious views are that I we think are that created they, in the image of God and animals weren't yes okay I believe I, that to me is saying that um, we are of our own kingdom yeah we are of our own separate yeah. kingdom to plants animals microorganisms etc so some of the stuff that I found sort of um, backs that up a little bit. It's not really... I, I didn't look so much at um, evolution versus creationism really, but um, did find some good Christian magazines that have a lot to say about this topic. So you know that my research is really, really evidence-based. <laughs> um Lay it on me, <laughs> doctor. So one of the ones that I, one of the ones that I found, and you know, it's it's a respectable magazine. It's not it's not um, extremism or anything like what that. What is it? Um, it's called the Real Church of God. Right, they're um, founded in Ohio, and they do still sort of believe some Testament stuff. So like things that have pagan roots but just to set up where this information is coming from so they were they were a, a break off from another um christian faith so they're a bit of a secular organization um so they believe that it's the human spirit that allows man to reason analyze and create not their cognition or their cognitive capacity. That's all done via their spirituality. So it's handed on. It's it's uh, it's outside of our body. Yes. It, it, it happens outside of our body. Yes. We can greatly exceed capability of animals because of that spirituality. Greatly exceed animals in what way? Any, like the capability of them. So they are capable of doing what they're capable of doing, but sort of in you know contrary to that scientific opinion that yes we have cognitive capacity that is our um, attribute as an animal just the way that you know a bird can fly the real church of god believes that um we because of our cognitive capacity we we can aspire to do things that animals can do as well like fly and yes we do need like you know mechanical help to do those things or dig or go on water or stay underwater for long periods of time anything you can do i can do better yes and we can do it because of our cognitive capacity and that's why we're better um they, they you know they talk about a few things that are unique to humans like humor and um self-consciousness and um things like that some of the things they mentioned though i don't know what your opinion is but i think that animals have these too Awareness of death. I think animals have an awareness of death. I definitely think they have an awareness of death. Hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I'd be inclined to say that pretty much everything that's alive has some understanding of not being alive. Yeah, apart from like plants or whatever. Oh, maybe, maybe even plants. Yeah, maybe. Um, I remember a story that someone told me um, about cows in feedlot 
and because they could smell like because the feedlot was actually right next to the abattoir yeah and because they could smell the blood and whatever i don't know they just knew they were going to die and so the the incidence of miscarriage um in the feedlot was like yeah insanely high mm. um because of the stress yeah. that they were under so I, I definitely think that awareness of death is something that animals have um um malleability is another one being able to adapt to your surroundings yeah i think animals have that well maybe though what they're arguing is that we we wear clothes we build shelters we modify the environment <coughs> but we do it better yeah, yeah we, we uh, well, I, guess... I don't know like there's some animals that can live in the desert Without going, like, without having water for a really long time. Well, maybe their argument is is that we didn't have to do it over millennia, that um, we quickly adapt to our surroundings. Why do we live on the poles? Why do we live in such a? Why do we species only? Do they live in yeah. a very narrow yeah. band of? Uh, True, but I mean, there's animals that like migrate, like birds. They just move <clears throat> to a place that where they. Like, but they're following favorable favorable conditions generally. They're migrating from basically warm to warm or cold to cold or whatever they mm-hmm. prefer. Um, I still think like, you know, animals go into places where it's warm if they're cold and things like that. Anyway, I, I think that, that animals can be malleable. And now for the news. Embattled Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott flew to New Zealand last week amid speculation that he could be facing the dump button for the second time in a month. Prime Ministerial spillage talk comes after he and other members of his cabinet were caught up in a scandal regarding the Independent Human Rights Commission report that found his and the previous Labour governments had committed human rights violations regarding on- and offshore detention of refugees. Abbott's first leadership spill vote on the 9th of February was one in which no member stepped up to challenge the Prime Minister for leadership. Instead, those calling for the vote simply asked, just not this guy, please. Despite his 39-61 victory, this has to come as some disconsolation to Abbott, as usually in the case of a breakup, there's always someone waiting in the wings. Now, I'm not directing this commentary at any of my ex-girlfriends. I'm just making an observation, alright? But as if sensing the folly of their initial efforts, the LNP has wised up and are quickly looking around for a warm body to throw into the mix, should the second leader's spill happen soon. Likely challengers for the position are Malcolm Turnbull, which could then require the awkward discussion of, well, I just ran into my old boyfriend Malcolm, and we really connected. I think he's changed. Julie Bishop is also in the running, as the friend that's just been around for a long time, who we've decided to just see where it leads. But the subject of leadership has been so abhorrent to Bishop, she fell asleep during one of Abbott's speeches in New Zealand. When asked to comment on Bishop's conscious or otherwise disinterest in his rhetoric, Abbott replied, No probs, I've been asleep at the wheel for the past two and a half years. Indeed, this self-admitted detail was not lost on the Australian public, and it was reflected in an essential report showing six in ten Australians expect Tony Abbott to be gone before the next election. When asked who they would favor, Malcolm Turnbull, Bishop, or someone else, the Australian Republic replied, not him. Anyone, just not him. In other news, a woman from Washington County, Pennsylvania, was arrested for drunk driving while her son was in the car. Allegedly, she drove under the influence of alcohol to another person's house where she planned to engage in group sex and her child as the incidental witness to what undoubtedly promised to be some sweet, sweet love. 
When told of the story of the philandering woman in Pennsylvania, two Hawaiians were either incensed at the one-upsmanship or inspired to achieve new lows in humanity. The Hawaiians, Jeffrey Kleinschmidt and Kirsten Johnson, were arrested for stealing donations from an eight-year-old girl on life support waiting for, wait for it, a heart transplant. And on to pop culture news. Already teeming with tattoos, the recently nuptial Benji Madden of Good Charlotte recently sat for just one more. The name Cameron was inked onto his upper chest in honor of his new bride Cameron Diaz, a bold statement to the world that this one is for real. I know many of you are looking forward to the May 2nd fight between Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather Jr. as the fight of the millennium. I know I am, but uh, this is not giving credit where it's due. Uh, perhaps it was because it was a ridiculously long time ago. Perhaps it's because no one other than some disheveled philosophy professor at some obscure yet prestigious university has ever heard of these blokes. But we're too often to forget the night between two philosophers, Immanuel Kant and David Hume, back in the 18th century. Man, they, this was a good old-fashioned hoedown. Forget Ollie and Fraser. When these two went at it, they would rage for decades. And I don't think anyone really won. Anyway, Des and I are going to reenact parts of that fight as they are germane to this discussion. Jazz is Kant. And I am David Hume, apparently. So Kant, what is your opinion on all of this? Humans and animals, hullabalooey. Well, Hume, glad you asked me that question. Wasn't Kant... A, uh, wasn't he German, so you, you have to talk in a German accent? <laughs> no, because see, um, we don't know what he sounded like back then. So yes, we do. So like this. <laughs> Alright, so, Can Kent, you humor me? let's talk about the human mind according to Kant. Because what does Kant think? Kant thinks that there's a difference. There's a difference between humans and animals, and the difference lies in sensibility really so that's like you know what what faculties do we what faculties do we use to represent things around us um so there's three main faculties of the mind right there's sensibility which is representation does that make sense there's understanding so that's your conceptual thinking so like comprehension and reason so that's your faculty that you use for inferencing right mm -hmm. animals only have sensibility they don't have the other two functions so they're restricted in that way they can't combine the three fun the three functions together um which humans can do and really actually going back to what you were talking about with the bats before and they're being, being a bit subject, like we can't be subjective because we're not bats. Kant actually believes that it's not necessary to ascribe higher cognitive capacities to animals because we don't need them to be able to explain their behaviour. We can observe it and explain their behaviour through observation. Mm -hmm. So Observe through observation? Yes. <laughs> we can explain it through observation. All right, what about Hume? What's Hume think? Well, Hume really wasn't apparently all that different. And the fight on May 2nd might turn out to be the fight of this millennium after all. But anyway, Hume, uh, Hume really wasn't that different. He believed 
that uh, animals did have a consciousness, they had memory, um, and they had reasoning, and that they achieved many of these same results, um, many of the same results in life as humans did um, because, of, because of those faculties. Um, so like memory, like, you know, if they get hit when they do, like say a dog that you're training, if you give them a, a treat when they do something, they'll do it again later. Right. Yeah. And, 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 or maybe they know, maybe they remember a path to a particular yeah. source of food, which would be independent of using uh, pheromones like some animals do. Well, but the don't dogs use smell for that? Dogs use smell. Ants will use, you know, they'll, they'll drop little hints along the way to remind themselves um, to get back to something. But I think that what he's talking about is... The, the memory. The it's course, a memory. It's a, it is a brain thing, not, yeah. a, not a sensory thing. Yeah. Anyway, but he does believe that humans are uh, different to animals. And, you know, even though we have uh, animals and humans both have our social... Or, or many animals are social, humans are social, we have societies... Uh, they're fundamentally different because humans have uh, these constructed institutions. We have yeah. um, property. We have uh, society, culture. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, according to Hume, we need those as support for uh, for ourselves because we're not basically we're not very good at getting the things that we want, and that's not because we're bad at getting things, but it's because the things that we want tend to be fairly lofty. Yeah. And that, that we're, I guess in that sense, we're high achievers. But we need to be propped up by our culture, our society, to achieve those goals. Mm. Um, you know, animals are basically different from that because they're... Or animals, you know, display varying levels of that. And they'll develop characteristics necessary to achieve that. Um, yeah, they fulfill their desires independently. Right. Which is interesting, though, because, that, you know, I don't know how that sits with the notion of, like... Uh, the like wolves, which are fairly um, probably one of the more commonly talked about species when you're talking about uh, um, social be social beings outside of humanity. So you know they have all these constructs, these rules, and these laws mm -hmm. um, that help them basically achieve what they need. They need to eat. Mm -hmm. uh, they need to mate. Uh, they need basic resources. Um, they need habitat. Etc. I guess what he's saying though is that aside from that, humans want we want to land on the moon. We want yeah. other things that you know clearly the wolf's not going to do. But that doesn't mean that the wolf is necessarily lower. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe in maybe it's superior superior for its uh, simplicity. You know, and that we're just overly complicated. Hume doesn't think that animals are moral beings, similar to Kant, because. Uh, morals to Hume are based on feelings rather than reason, and it comes from within. This is an empirical uh, conclusion mm. because whereas we find things like cannibalism or incest as generally aberrant, yeah. it's not universally aberrant, but generally, we try and avoid those things. Both, um, you know, cultures around the world, mm. whereas animals don't. Even though animals do have like a natural, like you know. Um, inclination to sympathize like you know dogs will come over and lick you if you're hurt or you know dolphins trying to save people and things like that but they're not uh motives for moral action 
feelings aren't motives or in in of themselves they're not motivators for moral action which is what i was trying to point out before that's in Kant's view um reason is one of those things that they lack mm-hmm. so all right can't act morally without reason so just summing up you know their positions um that they actually do have a lot of similarities in the way that they think they may just word things a little bit different so you know um yeah i think they both agree that uh you know like they even though they don't belong to the same moral community they you know we still need to treat them with respect and and um compassion because we're humans Yep. Yep. Okay. Which so I think is, I think, well, I can get back, I can get yeah, into that. I think on. you probably disagree with. Well, I would. You don't disagree with it. You don't no, disagree with the, right. the premise that we should treat them nicely. You disagree with the premise we should do it because we're human. And that indicates or implies that we're better. Yes. A lot of the discussion has been sort of centered around morality and the differentiation between um, animals and humans being the you know the possession or lack of morality. Um, just to define morality as per Wikipedia, uh, morality, and I, I agree with this generally, uh, morality is the differentiation of intentions, decisions, and actions between those that are good or right and those that are bad, evil, or wrong. To me, the argument that morals separate us from humans is untenable, uh, simply because morals are a human construct. They're they're basically tools that we have developed to aid us in the so in our social nature. And that is, I, human, I would agree on that. Uh, morals and practice uh, are not transcendent of us, again, because they're by us. And basically because they're, you know, different societies, societies have different morals. It seems to me that for something that is transcendent of us, something that's going to lift us above... There would, the morality would be universal. That, correct. Yeah. So, and that, what do you think then about, like, you know, the UN and those types of organizations that attempt to universalize morality or, or human rights or, you know, try to sort of homogenize that well again to me morality is simply a tool that we're using to function better as a society but what's the motive for it why why do you want to function better because you because you want to earn more money you want you want that doesn't always no because it's the people that actually function like assholes that have the most money well that's not always true okay well you want to live in a society then where you don't have to be afraid of walking down the street but that's just that's a self-preservation issue. That's not anything to do with right or wrong. It just has. It's just you. You don't want to be accosted. You want to know. Yeah, that but I think that there's a lot of motivation to behave immorally, as well. What do you mean? Well, stepping on people to build yourself up, taking things from other people that aren't rightfully yours. But you could make... being in positions of power where you're, you know, 
doing environmental damage to like right you know it's not probably going to affect you and your generation right now but it might affect people later on but see but see that's not a, that's not really an issue an issue of immorality in my view well that's, that's if in yeah but if you agree with that definition on wikipedia that you just read then it is no you just said you did agree no. with it it's it's that those people who are doing those things don't see anything wrong in what they're doing they see that they yeah, they, can, they benefit from it they benefit from and it. hence the difference in the difference in morals across cultures across communities across people basically we don't have this common notion we will never have the same com- the same we will never have the same set of morals regardless of whatever the UN is able to achieve in this lifetime yeah but you were talking about how morals were invented like the reason that, that we that they that became a construct of ours there's no reason that we, we why like why would we have constructed morals? It's actually easier for us just to not have morals most of the time because then we could just do. Oh, what I see what you're Well, there is that it's more notion. difficult to be moral. It, that there is that to it, but at the same time, maybe that's just not the flavor of the month. Maybe that there's this tide that people tend to want these things. Okay, let's reduce it to this kind of situation. Suppose, I. It's uh, sort of that Cormac McCarthy. I'm going to go to cannibalism just oh, because... Oh, let's just peso it up. You, you, you love <laughs> the pessimistic view of humanity and, and you're pulling out the bloody Cormac McCarthy to prove it. Well, He's morbid as. <laughs> He's morbid as. So, in a situation where it's a matter of And also that's survival. not evidence, just so you know. No, it's not, but... Oh no! I think it's it is as good as my uh, real kingdom of God. No, I, I think it is evidence. You can either choose to believe that it supports the theory or not. It's it, you know, it's a, just theory that's being supported by whatever proof you have. To... Yeah. Anyway. But it, look, I'll come at it from a very personal standpoint. I don't really care much for for cannibalism. I I can't envisage any kind of situation where I would be likely to to eat another human being. Plane crash in the Andes. But if there my the plane goes crash goes down in the Andes, I don't know what would happen. I have no idea. This, I can't how can I say, faced with a life or death situation, that I'm going to die, that I wouldn't want to see my family one more time. You know, and the choice is very simple. Stay alive by eating another human being. Or not and die. I, I don't know what I would do. And yeah. in that sense, like, to me, I think that I have the moral that eating another person is wrong. But I can't say that for sure. Similarly, we look well, at. Well, because it's situation dependent, that's why. But morals should be universal. They should, in Kant, and this is where I agree with Kant. No, it should be I categorical. I don't think so. I, I well, do. If you okay, you can go ahead and. But I'm saying, it, but I think that if you if you if you're thinking that way, you got to view things in a very black and white manner. Well, and okay. morality is not like that at all. It's very grey. But, but as you know. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. That if we are going to use it as something that elevates us above the common animal, no, then then to me it's got to no, be pretty. The complete opposite, actually, because because morality needs to be specific to situation individuals involved and if you think about um then how is it any different from 
It's the way different. now, how is it any different from what an animal does? Because okay, let's because, let's because remove it's our, individualized. It's not it's not a blanket. But, but make, the an, an animal might make a make make a different d decision. It based on the circumstances no, they as don't well. Use morality to make that decision. They but again, use why is that? Sensibility and perception. So, so let's look at it this way. It's different. Let's say that. The, it's morality is the reasoning that you use behind the action. But that how you does take. that make us any different from animals? Because it's, they don't use reason. They don't use reason. I don't use echolocation to find my food. No. How does that make? How does that make? Because that's not the ingredient from that bat. you need to put in the cake to make yourself a morality cake. It's simply just another thing. We're talking about a thing. No, and, and, and in this sense, I don't think so. we're this talking a, about an a, imaginary thing because it, that's not even real. A moral isn't even a real thing. You can't put your hands on it. You can't look at it. It's just an okay, abstract so notion. The fact that I love you is not a real thing because you can't touch it. It feels pretty real. I hate you right now. That kind of feels real too. <laughs> well, love, but you know what? Just because love is just because love is a human construct doesn't mean that it's not important. Just because morals are a human construct do, doesn't make that important. But it's only important to us. It's not important to the universe. It's important. It's not to important the animal to, that you don't like torture and murder because you feel moral because it's not right to do it. But we torture and murder animals all the and time. And you know what else? We do it in the name of, well, of food. That's not... Well, but we don't try to torture them. And I think that as... But we don't really know. No, but we do try to humanely kill things. But I we think. don't really know. No, and do we really, but it isn't... It, do we really try to be humane about things all the time? Isn't it becoming more important to people to have humanely killed sources of food? I could make the argument that that's because it is... Cool? <laughs> no, because it's... um. Well, yeah, no, the actually, fact, exactly. The fact that the fact exists, the fact that this in the first place tells people, and that's important. I don't like the idea of cows in a feedlot that they miscarry their babies. That makes me feel really sad. Like, I, I don't want to participate in that. 